add my welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex. I am one of the pastors here at Chatham Community Church, and we're delighted if you're joining us here for the first time, whether you're in person or online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And what we're all about is just making connections, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, and engaging our world for good according to whatever God's up to in the world. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. But before we jump into what we're talking about today, a little bit of family business. Uh, for those of you who are new, you might not know that we are one church in two locations. I'm primarily up here at the North Chatham campus, and Jaime is the uh, campus teaching pastor down in Pittsburgh, and every so often we switch. In fact, Jaime's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but a couple of years ago, uh, Jaime and his wife went through a long separation and then a divorce, and it was a very, very difficult situation. The elders came alongside both of them. We prayed. We tried to reconcile. We tried to work things through. None of those things turned out the way that we hoped and prayed that they would. So that was a couple years ago, and Jaime has continued to serve as our P Pittsburgh campus teaching pastor, and we're delighted to announce today that Jaime uh, recently got engaged and will be married in a month. So this, there's his lovely uh, fiance Hannah. She is, uh, there's the happy couple. She's delightful. She grew up, she's born and raised in Durham, and uh, it's a small-ish wedding, so if you don't get invited, nothing personal, just only so many room, only so much space, okay? So uh, uh, we're excited to welcome Hannah to our community and uh, excited to bless them and pray for them as they start their new life together. So we are delighted to, uh, to have Hannah be a part of our, our church community. We wanted the church to know the wedding is about uh, a month. Uh, it's in October, end of October, so we just wanted the church to know before you saw it on social media what was going on. And uh, Jaime will be up here in a couple weeks, and you can uh, congratulate him in person. We are about halfway through a series called Inner Strength, Building a Resilient Core in a World that is Clinically More Anxious and Depressed Than Ever Before. Wouldn't it be great to be more resilient, to be stronger, to deal with the inevitable ups and downs of life that all of us face and the challenges we deal with on the regular. At the beginning of the series, we talked about some things that we believe, that many people believe, that just aren't true, that as we believe them, they make us more and more weak, that they make us less resilient, not more resilient. The first lie we talked about was the performance lie, that you are your accomplishments, your achievement, whether that's uh, your, your GPA or what kind of career you have or what your resume looks like, that your value or worth is totally tied up in how you perform. The second core lie we talked about was the accumulation lie. I am what I have, that your stuff or your money, your bank account, whatever, defines your value or your worth or if you're successful or you're important or makes you safe. We talked about how that is 100% not true. And the third core lie we talked about was the core lie of people-pleasing, that I am what other people think about me. I need you to like me so I can like me. That's how I know I'm valuable and worthwhile and important. These three lies, when they're in operation at the center of our lives, they make us weaker, not stronger. They rob us of joy, not give us joy. We put it this way, when lies are running your life, lies will ruin your life. But the truth, Jesus declared, is what sets us free. So today we're picking up on that idea of freedom. And the question is, what does Jesus mean by freedom? Because what Jesus means by freedom is maybe a little bit different than typical American way of thinking about freedom. It's not just being set free from something. It's being set free for something. Not just set free from lies, but set free to live the life the way that God designed it. To organize our lives around God's purposes, God's priorities. To live in step, in concert, and to match pitch with the way that God designed you and designed the cosmos. But here's what we've seen. If you've ever tried to break an old habit, you know old habits die hard, right? If you've ever tried to make a change, you know it's so easy to fall back into old patterns. You've experienced this if you've ever gone on a diet and been successful for like two or three weeks. And then one day you look up and you've got a big spoon and an empty tub of ice cream right in front of you and you're a total victim. 
How did this happen? I have no idea how it happened. But you got there, right? Old habits die hard. Because here's what, here's what happens. When you're set free from something, after that initial rush, the question then becomes, now what? And sometimes, when you don't know what to do next, you go back to what you did before. Even, what you did bef even when what you did before is what you said you would never want to do next. Sometimes you don't know what to do next. You just fall back into old habits of what you did before. Even, even when you said to yourself, I never want to go back to doing what I did before and make that what I do next. It's exactly where the people of Israel are in the passage that Brian just read for us. The uh, people of Israel have been slaves for 400 years. Think about that. That's longer than America's been a country. They've been enslaved in Egypt. They started as a big family, and now they've grown into a, a nation of likely a couple hundred thousand people. And they're in this in-between space. They were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And they're moving toward the future God has for them. They're moving toward a land that God promised them and all kinds of blessing God promised them. But that transition period can be tough, right? When you don't yet know what's coming ahead, what's up ahead, sometimes we can get anxious or restless or uncertain. In fact, sometimes we can want to go back to a miserable situation because at least the miserable situation was predictable. Have you ever known someone who was in a miserable situation, and there was an off-ramp, but it wasn't clear where that off-ramp would lead, where it would go to. And so they prefer to stay in the miserable situation because at least the miserable situation was predictable, rather than take a risk of stepping out of something that was unknown. Have you ever seen someone make that decision? Have you ever made that decision? A couple times as the people of Israel are wandering through the desert, they say, we want to go back to slavery in Egypt. At least it was miserable, but at least it was predictable. And so what God is doing in his, in his generosity and his graciousness is mapping out what is it going to look like for you to be the people of God. What is the life together going to look like? Because again, these people have never been a nation. They've never been a people at, at any point. They were just one big family. So the question of what does it mean for us to be a nation, to be a people, to have an identity that's not just a slave identity. What does it mean for us to live as a people of God, as a community of God, reflecting God's character? And God's nature. Who are, what are we being set free for? Not just what we're set free from. And how are we going to be a resilient and resilience reinforcing community as we step into the future God has for us? And so Moses is trying to paint a picture of what they're being set free for in the passage that Brian just read for us. Again, this is the, uh, the preamble, starting in verse 9. Moses gives them a picture of what, is, what are you being set free for? What does it mean for us to be kind of the resilient people of God who are going to continue to walk in that freedom that God has invited us into? This is uh, Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 3. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Back in 1971, a psychologist was one of the first ones to declare that in the, in the way that information was proliferating and kind of all exploding, that attention was going to become scarce, a scarce commodity. That was 1971, he declared, attention was going to be a scarce commodity. If you're, now, that was way, way, way before my time. I mean, hours before my time. Uh, way, 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 way before my time. But in case you're not aware of what was happening in 1971, there were four TV stations. There was no, no, no cell phones, no internet. I think the printing press had just been invented the year before. And so, listen, 1971, they said, this is going to be, uh, attention's going to be a big, big deal. Now today, of course, the attention economy is a phrase that people talk about all the time. In June of 2022, it was estimated there were 500 minutes of new video being uploaded to YouTube every single minute of every single day. 
500 hours every minute of every day. That adds up to 30,000 hours of new YouTube videos being uploaded every hour of every single day. The attention economy. When there's so much coming at us, who or what do you attend to? Who or what do you listen to? Who gets or what gets your attention? Way before YouTube, Moses has the same problem. He's, he's going to kind of, he's trying to compel his people, to call his people to pay attention to this way of wisdom. The wisdom path that God is laying out for his people. This is the way of wisdom. This is the path we're going to walk as a people. And he says, I want you to pay attention to this. And I, the very first thing that Moses says twice is, I want you to hear. Hear, 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 O Israel, and be careful to obey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear and listen to the path of wisdom, the path of truth. This is what's going to define and shape our people and our culture. Because here's the thing. You are going to hear something or someone. Especially in times of uncertainty, transition, anxiety, which is the people of Israel are. You're going to hear or listen and pay attention to something. So, for example, you get an uncertain, you have an uncertain medical symptom. Something weird's happening in your body. What do you do that you're never supposed to do? You Google it. Certain death every time, right? It's like what you, you, you don't do that, right? Because you know it's not wise. You know it's not true. But you can't help yourself, right? You're anxious. You're uncertain. And so you do the thing that you know you shouldn't do. You are giving your attention and your focus to something that may or may not be reliable. But it's not just true in times of uncertainty or anxiety. So many voices. So many cable news stations, so many podcasts, so many kind of echo chambers. And the question of what are you going to attend to? Who or what are you going to hear? Whatever you give your hearing to you're gonna, is the path you're going to give your thoughts to and eventually your feet to. Whatever you hear, whatever you attend to, that's what you're going to give your thoughts to. And eventually you're going to give your feet to that path. And so... As Brian, who read the passage earlier today, wrote so beautifully in our Connect devotional this past week, the first commandment of the Lord is not to love, but to hear, actually attend and listen to. If you're not getting our Connect devotional, it's a five-day week devotional that's an in-house team of writers, writes. It goes out over email every morning at five days a week. If you'd like to get it, just give us your name and email address and say, add me to the Connect devotional, and we'll add you to the Connect devotional. But Brian had a great devotional on this on Monday, talking about the importance of hearing and attending to the words of God. Here's Brian's, uh, Brian for this past week. The most basic fundamental command is to listen, to hear. We cannot love well unless and until we're listening well to God and to our neighbors. We cannot obey God faithfully unless and until we're listening attentively, hearing rightly. We cannot follow Jesus without hearing him first, last, and always. My friends, we live in an information-saturated world. So my question for you is, who or what are you hearing? What are you attending to? And most importantly, what does it mean for you to hear the word of God, to attend to it, the wisdom of God and the power of God, to say, set a path forward for your life that you, it might go well with you, as Moses says. What does it mean for you to cultivate a, a kind of personal practices where the scriptures, where the good news of God, where the path of God is what you're absorbing, what you're attending to, what you're listening to? Because whatever you give your hearing to, you're going to give your thoughts to, and eventually your feet to. And is there anything that needs to go? Is there anything that needs to go or at least be reprioritized lower on the food chain so that you might hear the words of the Lord? 
I love music and I love podcasts. Like, I love music. I, play, I have music playing all the time. Sometimes it drives my family crazy. I have music always playing in the background, in the kitchen, whatever, right? And I love music. I love podcasts. But every so often I have to fast from certain types of music or all music. And sometimes every so often I have to fast from certain types of podcasts or all podcasts just to clear out the clutter, just to clear out the noise. But I might make sure that I'm hearing, attending to primarily the words of the Lord, the truths of Scripture. We're going to talk a little bit at the very end about what that might look like very practically because Moses gets very practical. He talks about putting on doorposts and gates and all these sort of things. We're going to talk about that. But today I just want to ask you to start with, are you willing to center the Scriptures? Are you willing to hear the words of the Lord? Now, and notice, too, it's not just you individually. Of course, we always talk, we like to talk about here, the, the default pronoun is y'all. Moses is talking to everybody, right? Hear, O Israel, all the nation, hear and obey. So it may go well with all y'all and all of us together. Hear, O Israel, all nation together. The Lord, our God, together is one God. If the people of Israel were going to be a resiliently free people, they're going to have to be on the same page. And that page is going to be the path of wisdom that God's going to lay out in his commands, in the scriptures, and in the directions he's going to give. And it's also the power that they're going to need to be a people who can see through lies, who can overcome challenges, who can recognize when something false is being proclaimed. And they don't chase after false gods or the wrong things that then would weaken them and disturb them. The path of wisdom is what Moses is laying out for the whole community. And, in fact, that is a corporate call that he gives as he calls the people, all of Israel, to walk. In fact, here's what, here's what he says as he gives his commandment to the people. Hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on all of y'all's hearts. And here's how it's going to work out practically. Impress them on your children. Talk about them amongst yourselves, with your family, when you're sitting at home, and talk with friends and strangers when you're on the road. Talk and recite and rehearse them out loud or to yourself when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. A couple of weeks ago, a good friend of mine uh, brought me a question that a friend of his asked him and was talking to him about and asked him some questions. And he, the question was this, uh, the, 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 the guy, he, the, my friend's friend was, uh, was talking to him. He said, uh, I'm in a really hard place. He was hard place in his marriage, hard place in his workplace. And he was praying and praying and praying. And two things weren't happening. One, God wasn't doing anything. And two, God was not making him feel any better. So he asked the question, what should I do? And underneath that question is, why should I continue to pursue God if God's not going to stop this crazy thing that's happening at work and help my marriage get better? And... God's not meeting me personally. I'm not sensing any of God's presence. What should I do? So my friend brought this question to me, and we kind of batted around a little bit. And Some of you have been in that place, right? Some of you have been in that place where I'm, I'm seeking after God, and God's not doing anything, and he's not showing up, and what do I do? Why should I even continue to pursue this God? So my first crack at it was this. Here's my first crack at it. That in the scriptures, we get commands and directions that cover 92% of life, of how to live. 92% of life. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't murder. You got that? Don't commit adultery, forgive, live a life of faith, hope, love, pursue wisdom, serve God, worship him only. 
All these commandments in Scripture cover 92% of life. Now, the other 8% is disproportionately impactful, right? Who should I marry? Should I take this job? Should we retire early, go move in near the grandkids? Like, these are important decisions, right? But there's even directions in Scripture about how to pursue God, how to seek God when you don't know what's going on, right? So 92% of, of life is sort of laid out in the wisdom of the Scriptures, the path of Scripture. And there's power in, in walking in that. So here's what I do when I'm not feeling God, when God's not showing up. What I do when I'm not experiencing God's presence and God's not intervening, here's what I do. I try to keep walking the path of the Lord. And if I keep walking the path of the Lord, eventually I will re-meet the Lord of the path. Keep walking the path of wisdom to the Lord. And if and as you keep walking, open-eyed, open-handed, eventually you will meet again the Lord of the path. I've had to fight to do that at various points in my life. Like 15 years ago, I was a campus minister and the wheels were coming off, all kinds of conflict, all kinds of things were not going well in my ministry. And I'm praying and praying and praying, and nothing's changing with my ministry, and I'm not feeling God's presence. And in that midst of that, the stresses and the anxiety, I was so discouraged, I was so frustrated. Here's what I'm really glad I did not do. I'm glad I did not turn to alcohol in excess, because that's not on the wisdom path. Alcohol in excess would have just comp taken a hard situation and complicated it with a bad decision. I tried my best. Not because I was so great. I was desperate. I was pitiful. I was frustrated. I was agitated. I was anxious. I tried my best to keep walking the path of the Lord, even though I didn't see the Lord's hand intervening in anything. I kept praying. I kept reading scripture. And most importantly, I sought out wisdom from friends and peers who could walk with me to keep me walking that wisdom path, even when I was frustrated and tempted to stray off the wisdom path. Because if I continued to walk the path of the Lord, eventually I would meet, again, the Lord of the path. Early on in my marriage, we were in really, really difficult season, really difficult stretch. And uh, I was praying and praying and praying, and God wasn't fixing it. And by it, I mean fixing her, because of course it was her fault. Foolishly, right? And so God wasn't fixing her, nor was he fixing us. And I'm so, so glad I did not fall into pornography or into an affair. I'm so, so glad I didn't stray off the wisdom path in that moment. Even though it was tempting. All I would have done was ruin what, by God's grace, has turned out to be a beautiful 25 years. What, I, what the wisdom path called me to do was to humble myself, put away my pride, and go get counseling. Go get help. And 25 years later, I am so glad I stayed on the path of the Lord. Because eventually, together, we re-met the Lord of the path. When you're not feeling God, when you're not seeing God, the path is often still laid out. There's a, there's a way to walk. Walk in that path. And eventually, you'll see the Lord of the path. That was my take to my friend's friend's question. Very good question. He had a different take on it. Very interesting. And his reflection on it was this. He says, sometimes I think of myself as if I was one of the people who was wandering through the desert with the Israelites. The exact same passage we're in. Exactly the, 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 port, the part of scripture we're in, right? We're wandering through the desert. And again, it's famously difficult to know how many people of Israel were set free from Egypt, are wandering through the desert for 40 years to get to the promised land. But it's likely a couple hundred thousand people who are wandering together through the desert on the way to the promised land. And God is leading them himself with a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, it is like 
it is, it is like amazing, technicolor, like beautiful, like special effects. God is himself is leading the people of Israel. But my friend said, sometimes I imagine I am Joe Israelite at the back of the line of 200,000 people. And I can't see the pillar of fire or the pillar of smoke. What do you do when you're in the back of the line? And you can't see God leading you? He said, I just keep walking with people who can see the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. When I'm in a season of stretch where I'm not seeing God, I'm not feeling God, what I do is I try to get myself in lockstep with people who are seeing God, people who are feeling God, people who are connected, more able to see God than I am currently right here, right now. And if those people will have me, I found myself in that place of being blessed as they continue to help me to walk this path of wisdom. Moses has a couple hundred thousand people who are going to be tempted in all kinds of ways to leave God and leave the wisdom path, who don't know what it means to be a people, who don't know what's next, who have left slavery but aren't sure what's next. Now what? How do we live? And so what he does is he maps out what it means for them to be a community together that's shaped by the scriptures and shaped by what happens together. This is, the, this is the word of the Lord, the call to be people who are continually seeking the Lord, to impress on the children, to talk about them amongst themselves when you get home and you walk along the road. As you're walking along the road with strangers and together, time as symbols on your hands and your foreheads and on your door frames and on your gates. And if he had known about Dr. Seuss, he would have said in a box with a fox and a plane on a train. Like all the things, right? This is so important. What makes us a resilience-creating community? We center the scriptures and we walk the Lord's wisdom path together. What makes us a resilience-creating community? So it's that if you get involved in the Chatham Community Church... You leave here stronger, more resilient than when you came in. We put the scriptures, the wisdom of God, and the power of God at the center of who we are and how we live. And we walk that path together. We talk about them. We rehearse them. And when you are anxious, someone kindly comes alongside you and reminds you what's true from the scriptures. God's got you. God's got this. Let's keep walking together. And when you're confused and disoriented, someone kindly comes alongside you and points you back to the path of wisdom, the truth of the scriptures. This is the way. Let's walk in it. But even more than that, even when we're not anxious, even when we're not confused, we rehearse and we recite and we practice and we put the scriptures at the center of who we are and how we're living out our community because that's the wisdom of God. It's also the power of God. Look, we opened up by, by remembering the, the three core lies that we talked about, right? Listen, every lie that we talked about comes with a script. Every lie that we talked about comes with a script of how you need to live to feel important, significant, valuable, and loved, right? Every, every, every core lie has a script. And so what we do as a community is we replace the script of lies with a scripture that gives life. That's what we're here to do. We replace the script of lies with the scriptures that give life. To the lie of performance, the performance lie that says you need to perform to be valuable or loved. It gives you a script. Here's the script for the performance lie. Find an arena, your job, your school, your sports teams, your, your parenting, your grandparenting. Find some arena to perform and then you better go crush it. Because your value, your worth depends on your performance and your accomplishments and how much you produce. That's the script of lies you're handed. In response, my friends... Hear y'all, all y'all, hear the good news, the wisdom, the truth of scriptures. Your value and your worth has zero to do with how you perform or what you produce. That has already been decided by Jesus' blood on the cross. That's how valuable you are. You do not need 
to perform. You don't need to buy that script of lies that you have to accomplish and produce for you to be a valuable or important human being. God so loved you, he sent his son to suffer and die, to purchase you back from the dead. And yes, by all means, go to work. Go, do your things, go perform, but don't go perform as if your identity depended on it. You can quit tomorrow and you're still a child of God. You can fail tomorrow, you are still a child of God. Your value, your worth, your identity, not hooked into your performance or accomplishments, your value and worth are already settled by the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? That's the truth of scripture that replaces the script of lies that we get. So the accumulation lie comes with a script. You need to ac accumulate more and more money, more and more stuff. Make sure you kind of stockpile all the stuff, all the money you possibly can. That's how you know you're important. That's how you know you're valuable. That's how you know you've accomplished something. That's how you know you've made it. That's the script of lies that comes with the kind of accumulation lie. In response, all y'all, hear the good news. These are the words of Jesus. Your life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Instead, the good life, the good life that God has for you consists in being rich toward God, loving our neighbors, and being generous and generous-hearted with your stuff, holding it so loosely, doesn't matter if it all gets stripped away tomorrow, the Lord is still good and you are still loved. Your life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You're replacing the script of lies with a scripture that gives life. To the lie that says, you need people to like you so you can like you. The people-pleasing lie that says, I got to have people liking me and giving me the right feedback so I can feel valuable and loved. That's the, that comes with a script. That script is, you better go and do whatever you got to do to get people to like you, to approve of you. Say the right things, bend yourself, twist yourself up in knots. Make sure you sort of uh, 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 appeal to people's whatever their values are, whatever, to get them to like you so you can like you. Hear the good news. All y'all, here's the scripture speaking truth over you. God has already sung over you with joy and with love. He has sent his son to purchase you back from the dead. My friends, what can people do to you if God loves you forever? What can people say about you if God has already declared you're beloved and you are his? What can people do to you? What can people say about you that can take away your eternal joy? Not a thing. That's the scripture that gives life, that replaces the script of lies. This is the wisdom of God and the power of God that when we build our individual lives and our community around it, it gives life. It makes us resilient. And so we rehearse it and we talk about it. We do it on Connect Devotionals. We do it in small groups. We do the scripture here on Sunday mornings that we might be a people of the scripture, that we're growing in the wisdom of God. We might know the path of wisdom and walk in it together. And we might know the power of God that's true in the scriptures that displaces and replaces lie, lies that we might be set free. And we got to talk about it amongst ourselves. We got to remind each other of it because Every so often, I'm going to forget. Every so often, I'm going to be tempted. Every so often, I'm going to be tempted to step off the wisdom path. Every so often, I'm going to be kind of just drifting away from it. I need one of you to remind me, hey, Alex, this is the wisdom path. Just walk in it. And every so often, you're going to forget it. Every so often, you're going to drift off it. Or every so often, you're going to be tempted by something dangling off the wisdom path. And you need people around you, the person next to you, to say, hey, this is the wisdom path. Come back to it. And so... We center the scriptures 
We put the scriptures at the center of our community. That's what exactly what Moses is calling the people to do, that we might be a resilience-creating community with the wisdom of God and the power of God at the center of our communities. What Moses was trying to do with the people of Israel back in Deuteronomy is what the Lord calls us to do here at Chatham Community Church if we want to be a resilience-creating community. So that's today's wildly important take-homes. How do we become a resilience-creating community? Resilience-creating community is a biblically-guided, biblically-saturated kind of community. That's who we want to become. At Chatham Community Church, we want to be the kind of place you come in here beat up and bruised and exhausted. If you get plugged in and hang around for a while, you leave here stronger, healed, prepared. Come in here anxious, leave peaceful. Come in here lonely, leave befriended. Come in here tangled up in sin, guilt, shame, cynicism, anger. Leave here free to live a life of faith, hope, love, wisdom, courage. How do we do that? We put the center, we put the scriptures at the center and we practice them over and over and over again. Here's some, 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 some challenges here from this passage that we need to find ways to saturate our lives with the scriptures. And again, Moses talks about this in very practical ways. Put them on your foreheads. Put them on your gates and your doorposts, right? Moses is very, very specific about some ways to do that. I'm going to give you a few specific ways you can do that. One is to connect devotional. Again, if you're not getting that, it's five days a week in your inbox. A short reflection on the scripture we're looking at. Just give us your name and email address. A way to kind of touch on the scripture we're looking at. Another way to do that is through the uh, Version Bible app. It's a free Bible app. Uh, some different translations, but most helpfully, it has all kinds of reading plans. Like, if you're like, where do I start in the Bible? What do I do? They have like a six-week study on joy and a 12-week study on overcoming, uh, overcoming anxiety. I mean, they have like, oh, read through the Bible in a year, read through the Bible in five years. All these different reading plans that can help you make your way through the Scripture. I told you earlier I love podcasts. Bi the Bible Project podcast is a great little bit of Bible nerddom that's very accessible. It's like, it's just a great, it's kind of reflection on like a theme or a topic throughout Scripture or a book of the Bible or a passage. And just kind of dig into it. It's really, really needy and thoughtful. Your daily Bible verse is like a 10-minute reflection. Like, what if you gave yourself 10 minutes in the car while you're driving to work or whatever just to reflect and listen to a, a passage of Scripture that is being reflected on by someone who's got some wisdom on it? Second thing I want to advise to do is that resilience comes in community that centers the wisdom path of Scripture together. That's who we are. That's who we are becoming. Again, that's why we're in Scripture together and Sunday mornings and small groups. We're following Jesus together, but he hasn't left us without a guide. Scripture covers 92% of life. It's the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so when we walk in it, that cultivates a resilience in us together. So i got to ask you a couple questions. First off, are you in that kind of community? I mean, you're here on Sunday mornings. We're so glad you're here. But... I want to invite you to consider a small group. A small group community might be, is a place where we try to put the scriptures at the center of it and help one another, encourage one another, remind each other, teach one another sort of these ways. Today's our last week of our small group push. If you're not yet in a small group, we invite you to fill out that small group card, drop it off in the basket on the way out, and then let us get you connected to a community that's trying to grow and reminding each other, living out these scriptures together. Secondly, does anyone have fluency and permission to call you to the wisdom path of the scriptures? That is, do you have anyone in your life who knows the scriptures well? And who has permission to tell you when you're being stupid. Who has permission to tell you when you're drifting, when you're forgetting, right? When you're kind of, sort of, kind of drifting off the place. Does anyone in your life have the fluency around the scriptures to recognize when you're drifting off? And then also the, the, the ability, the freedom to say, yes, call me on this. Does anyone have that kind of fluency for you? And then finally, if you're not, if you're not seeing God or feeling God, so glad you're here. Welcome. Walk with us together on this path. He'll meet you eventually. 
we invite you. If you're here today, man, things are hard. Man, God's not showing up. Man, God feels a million miles away. Or some of you, like, you're not God people. You're like, spouse strategy here, or you're kind of coming along. Or maybe you're checking things out, you're curious. And you're like, man, I wish God would just show up in some dramatic big way. And I'll, I'll pray that with you. I pray that God does. He does that from time to time in dreams and signs. And I just pray that you don't blow them off or uh, rationalize it away or justify it when God shows up. So I'm praying that God, that God gives you that kind of experience. But in the meantime, you know what he's given you? The scriptures. Wisdom of God. Power of God covers about 92% of life. And if you're willing to walk with us on the path of the Lord, and your, your eyes are open, if you're asking God to show up and to show you himself, what I believe is this, eventually you'll meet the Lord of this path. And so this morning, if you're struggling, God feels far away, things aren't coming along, I invite you to come and walk with us, that we might be a resilience-creating, a resilience-reinforcing community as we put the scriptures at the center of these things, as we walk with Jesus, who is the Lord over the scriptures, the living word who comes and who fulfills all the promises, who is the one who comes to fulfill and meet every heartache and every sorrow. He is the one who is the Lord over the scriptures and over this path. Ultimately, our hope is in the living word who gives us written words that we might walk in it together that's how we cultivate a people who are resilience reinforcing chatham community church that if you came in here weak sorrowful beat down you might leave here full of the joy of the lord may that be true for all of us as we grow in putting the scriptures and jesus himself the living word at the center of it all let's pray lord jesus thanks for loving us enough to give us directions and giving us guidance thank you for being generous enough to give us the scriptures that help us to know what it looks like for us to be your people. Lord, we want to be on the same page with enough latitude and enough space for us to work this out in our own context and our own personality. But Lord, we thank you for the wisdom path that has not only wisdom, but also power to replace lies and give us your guidance and your direction. Lord Jesus, would you help us to hear the scriptures, to, to attend to them, to put them front and center in our lives. Would you help us to find creative ways to put the scripture right in our midst of our own hearts and in our families and at Chatham Community Church? And Lord, when we're not seeing you, when we're not feeling you, would we continue to walk the path of wisdom with others who are walking in it? And would you give us the ability to generously and gently call one another to continue to walk in these ways and walk in this path together? Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends who are here who are struggling today, not feeling you, not seeing you. They're longing for you to do something, and you're not showing up as best they can tell. Lord Jesus, would they hear the invitation to keep walking down the path of the Lord. And Lord Jesus, in your kindness, eventually, would each of us here, as we walk this path, would we all meet the Lord over the path. We thank you, we bless you, we receive these scriptures, and we dedicate ourselves as a church to walking in these scriptures. We ask that you would help us to do so, and we pray in your strong and mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand as we sing our last song together.